section thirteen of a compendious history of english literature and of the english language volume one this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. a compendious history of english literature and of the english language volume one by george lily craik chapter two part seven anglo-norman poets king henry the first his queens matilda and alice to our king henry the first surnamed beauclerk or the scholar who was carefully educated under the superintendence of the learned l'enfant afterwards archbishop and saint monsieur de la rue attributes both an english translation of a collection of latin aesopian fables mentioned in the next age by marie de france and rendered by her into french verse in a short poem in romance entitled urbanus or le dictier d'urbain being a sort of code of the rules of politeness as understood and observed in his day the evidence however is not very conclusive as to either production and the english fables in particular now only known from marie's translation have been claimed with perhaps more probability for king alfred whose name appears instead of that of henry in some manuscripts of marie's work both henry's queens it may be noticed are recorded to have been as well as himself fond of literature and poetry m de la rue refers to the works of hildebert bishop of le mans as containing several pieces of latin poetry addressed to the first of them matildis or matilda the daughter of the scottish king malcolm canmore and the english margaret herself a learned as well as pious princess but the liveliest picture of this part of queen matilda's character is that drawn by william of malmesbury who it will be perceived however is no great admirer of some of the tastes which he describes she had a singular pleasure in hearing the service of god and on this account was thoughtlessly prodigal towards clerks of melodious voice addressed them kindly gave to them liberally and promised still more abundantly her generosity becoming universally known crowds of scholars equally famed for verse and for singing came over and happy did he account himself who could soothe the ears of the queen by the novelty of his song nor on those only did she lavish money but on all sorts of men especially foreigners that through her presence they might proclaim her liberality abroad for the desire of fame is so rooted in the human mind that scarcely is any one contented with the precious fruits of a good conscience but is fondly anxious if he does anything laudable to have it generally known hence it was generally observed the disposition crept upon the queen to reward all the foreigners she could while the others were kept in suspense sometimes with effectual but often with empty promises hence too it arose that she fell into the era of prodigal givers bringing many claims on her tenantry exposing them to injuries and taking away their property 
by which obtaining the credit of a liberal benefactress she little regarded their sarcasms with all this vanity however and love of admiration and applause if such it is to be called matilda is admitted by the historian to have constantly practised the humblest and most self-denying offices of religion she did not shrink we are told either from washing the feet of diseased persons or even from touching and dressing their sores and pressing their hands for a long time with devout affection to her lips and her chief pleasure was in the worship of god it is a trait of the times to find the same person the chief patroness of piety and of poetry henry second queen also adelice or alice of louvain is addressed by several of the norman and anglo-norman trouvere as the special protectress of them and their art philip de Tan, geoffrey abbot of st albans one of those by whom queen adelice is thus distinguished is philippe de Tan, anciently Théon or Tan, who if the age of tourold and his roman de roncevaux be disputed may be regarded as the earliest of the trouvères any of whose works have certainly come down to us he is the author of two french poems of considerable length one a treatise on chronological computation entitled les livres d'écriture the other known as the bestiary being a sort of natural history comprising an account of both animal and mineral productions the latter is dedicated to the english queen and was probably written between eleven twenty and eleven thirty both poems are mainly compiled from various latin originals we have already mentioned geoffroy or geoffrey also a native of normandy who died abbot of the monastery of st albans in eleven forty six and his miracle play of st catherine which is stated by matthew paris to have been acted by the boys attending his school at dunstable about the year eleven ten and is generally referred to as the earliest drama upon record in any modern tongue but in truth we have no information in what language this lost production of geoffrey was composed it may have been in french in english or in latin though it is most probable that it was in the first mentioned tongue if so it is by much the most ancient french play of which the name has been preserved its claim to stand at the head of modern dramatic literature however has been disputed perhaps observes a late learned writer the plays of roswitha and none of gandersheim in lower saxony who lived towards the close of the tenth century afford the earliest specimens of dramatic composition since the decline of the roman empire these plays of roswitha's appear to have been intended only for reading and are not known ever to have been acted but they have been twice published first by conrad celtis in fifteen o one and again by leonard schertzfleisch in seventeen o seven pilgrimage of st brandon charlemagne another of the poetical protégés or celebrators of queen adelice is the unknown author of a poem of between eight hundred and nine hundred verses on the pilgrimage of st brandon there were it appears in the sixth century two irish ecclesiastics of the name of brandon or brendan both of whom have since been canonized the day assigned in the calendar to the one being the twenty ninth of november to the other the sixteenth of may 
it is the latter with whom we have here to do he has the credit of having been the founder of the abbey of cromfert in galway but the most memorable passage of his history is his voyage along with some of his monks in quest of a more profound seclusion from the world which was believed in an after age to have conducted him to one of the fortunate islands or one of the canaries according to a still later interpretation he did not find the scheme of so distant a retirement to answer and he soon returned to ireland but m de la rue thinks it probable that he drew up a narrative of his adventures for the information of the european public of that day out of which there grew in course of time the legend which bears the name of his voyage to the terrestrial paradise and which is as full of marvels and miracles as that of ulysses or any of those of sinbad the sailor indeed one of sinbad's principal wonders his landing on the whale is actually found in the voyage of st brandon de la rue has given copious extracts from the poem on this subject which he notices and which professes to have been composed at the command of queen adelice and immediately after her marriage in eleven twenty one but the fullest account of st brandon and his pilgrimage will be found in the preface to a more recent publication by m achille juvenal entitled la legende latine de saint brandin avec une traduction inédite en prose et en poésie romane publié d'après les manuscrits de la bibliothèque du moment au siècles octavo paris eighteen thirty six of the french metrical legend here printed which is different from the anglo-norman romance analyzed by de la rue m juvenal states that there are many manuscripts it is found as part of a poem of the thirteenth century written by gautier de metz entitled image du mont several copies of the story in latin prose also exist of the french prose version there is only one known text which is in the bibliothèque imperiale at paris it is found however both in verse and prose in most of the other european tongues in irish in welsh in spanish in german of various dialects in flemish in english and there are printed editions of it both recent and in the earlier ages of topography in several of these languages m juvenal mentions an edition of it in english prose printed by vincan de verd in folio in fifteen sixteen it appears to be a translation from a latin version contained in a volume of lives of the saints compiled under the title of legenda aurea by john capgrave who was an english monk of the fourteenth century and the author also of a quantity of verse some of which still exists in his native tongue it is remarkable that st brandon or brandin has given his name to an imaginary island long popularly believed to form one of the canary group although become invisible since his day or at least not to be discovered by modern navigators to whom it was a frequent object of search from the beginning of the sixteenth down to so late a date as the beginning of the eighteenth century the last expedition in quest of it was fitted out from spain in seventeen twenty one the spaniards who call the lost island san borendon believe it to be the retreat of their king rodrigo the portuguese assign it to their don sebastian 
the acquaintance of the modern nations of europe with the canary islands dates only from about the year thirteen thirty when a french ship was driven upon one of them in a storm along with this romance on the pilgrimage of st brandon may be noticed another old french poem on a fabulous journey of charlemagne to constantinople and jerusalem which is perhaps of still earlier date and which has also from the language been supposed to have been written in england an account of it is given by de la rue essay two twenty three through thirty two and the poem has been since published by m francique michel from the royal manuscript sixteen e eight at the british museum under the title of charlemagne an anglo-norman poem of the twelfth century with an introduction and a glossarial index duodecimo london eighteen thirty six it consists of only eight hundred and seventy lines anglo-norman chroniclers Gaimar, david but the farther we pursue the history of this early norman poetry the closer becomes its connection with our own country not only does it seek its chief audience in england but the subjects with which it occupies itself come to be principally or almost exclusively english the earliest of the old french versifiers of our english history appears to be geoffroy gaimar the author of a metrical chronicle entitled Estorie des Angles, history of the english it was probably completed about the middle of the twelfth century attention was first called to gaimar and his work by the abbe de la rue who appears however to have in part mistaken the sense of the account the old chronicler gives of himself in the complete work the history of the english was preceded by a brou d'angleterre or history of the britons which he had compiled principally he tells us from a latin work itself for translation from a welsh original the good book of oxford belonging to walter the archdeacon comparing this with what is stated by geoffrey of monmouth in the preface or dedication to his history we cannot doubt that that was the latin original upon which gaimar worked he seems to say that he also made some use of another book which he calls the history of winchester and of an english book of washingburg in lincolnshire where he found accounts of the roman emperors who possessed the sovereignty of england and of the kings who had held of them this portion of gaimar's performance however is no longer known to exist his english history extends from the coming of the angles and saxons to the death of william rufus and is for the most part based on the vernacular national chronicle but owes its chief interest and value to certain legendary matter gathered either from other written sources or in some cases perhaps from mere popular tradition the first portion of it which was printed was that containing the story of havelock the dane which was given by sir frederick madden in his edition of that romance prepared for the roxburgh club london eighteen twenty eight the latter portion of the work commencing from the norman conquest was published by m francis michel at rouen in eighteen thirty five in the first volume of his collection entitled chronique anglo normand the portion relating to the period before the norman conquest again extending to above five thousand three hundred lines in all is contained in the monumenta historica britannica eighteen forty eight finally the whole has been edited by mr thomas wright for the caxton society under the title of gaimar's anglo-norman metrical chronicle with illustrative notes and appendix containing the lay of havelock the legend of ernouf and the life of herward octavo london eighteen fifty 
a translation of Gaimar by mr stevenson is given in the second part of the third volume of the church historians of england eighteen fifty four at the end of his history Gaimar, who here describes himself as of troy intimates his intention of writing a separate life of king henry i of whom he says that he could tell a thousand things omitted by david who did not go sufficiently into details to do justice to the nobleness the liberality the magnificence and the other brilliant qualities of that great king although his chronicle was highly esteemed and in particular was a favourite book with the queen adelice of this david who is nowhere else made mention of nothing is known his performance was in verse Gaimar calls it a chanson nor have we any evidence that Gaimar's own promised life of king henry was ever written wace the most famous of these writers of early english history in romance verse is master wace mestre vas clerc lison that is writing clerk as he calls himself in latin magister vacius the name is also otherwise written in his own day Wais, Gais, Gasa, and gasca but goas was wastas vistasa extasa eustas eustascha are the corruptions of a subsequent age or modern variations and weight which is the form adopted by some modern writers is a mere mistranscription his christian name appears to have been richard he was a native of the island of jersey where he was probably born in the last decade of the eleventh century and of a good family his father was one of the norman barons who accompanied the conqueror to england and fought at hastings he himself was educated for the ecclesiastical profession at cannes and after passing some years in other parts of france and also it appears visiting england he returned and settled in that city where he spent the rest of his life in writing his several poetical works in his latter years he was made by henry the second a canon of bayeux the waces probably descendants of the poet's father obtained large possessions in nottinghamshire and yorkshire and another branch continued to flourish for some ages in normandy the first of waces chronicles is entitled the boot d'angleterre and is in the main a translation into romance verse of eight syllables of the british history of geoffrey of monmouth although it contains also a good many things which are not in geoffrey it extends to upwards of fifteen thousand lines after finishing his work wace is said to have presented it to henry the second's queen eleanor of aquitaine many manuscripts of it exist both in england and in france and it has now been printed under the title of le roman de brut par wace avec un commentaire et des notes par le rue de lancy two volumes octavo rouen eighteen thirty six eighteen thirty eight Wace's other great work is his roman de rue that is romance of Rollo. it is a chronicle of the dukes of normandy in two parts the first in alexandrine verses extending only to the beginning of the reign of the third duke richard Sampur, the second in eight syllable rhymes coming down to the year eleven seventy the sixteenth of henry the second there are nearly seventeen thousand lines in all the composition of the first part is stated to have been commenced in eleven sixty and it appears to have been published by itself but some years after on learning that the charge of writing the history of the dukes of normandy in verse had been confided by king henry to another poet named benoit wace as monsieur de la rue supposes resumed his pen and adopting for expedition the easier octosyllabic verse hastened to complete his task before his rival the entire work was printed for the first time in eighteen twenty seven at rouen 
in two volumes octavo under the title of le roman de rue et des ducs de normandie par robert wace avec des nuts par frederic Plouquet. but although m Plouquet, who had in eighteen twenty four published a short notice about wace notice sur la vie et les écrits de robert wace mostly copied from the abbe de la rue's paper in the archaeologia was assisted in the preparation of his edition by m auguste le prevost whose notes are often learned and curious it is evident that very little knowledge or critical judgment has been employed in settling the text which is often manifestly corrupt either from mistranscription or reliance on a faulty original some of its errors have been pointed out with sufficient gentleness by m renouard in a small tract entitled observation philosophique et gratimacalis sur le roman de rue octavo rouen eighteen twenty nine which ought always to accompany m Plouquet's edition mr edgar taylor author of the volume entitled lays of the minna singers or german troubadours and other works has translated so much of the roman de rue as relates to the conquest of england into english prose with notes and illustrations octavo london eighteen thirty seven the interest that has been lately excited by this old norman poet is further evinced by the publication of two others of his supposed works his shorter chronicle of the dukes of normandy in alexandrine verse from henry the second back to rollo which is printed in the first volume part two pages four forty four to four forty seven of the memoir de la societe des antiquaires de normandie octavo eighteen twenty four and his poem in verse of eight syllables on the establishment by william the conqueror of the festival of the conception of the virgin which was printed in octavo at cannes in eighteen forty two under the title of l'establissement de la fête de la conception notre dame dite la fête aux normands a publié pour la première fois d'après les manuscrits de la bibliothèque du roi par messieurs mansel et trébutillon a very limited impression also of another of his romances entitled la vie de saint nicolas in about fifteen hundred lines of which there are several manuscripts in existence and some extracts from which are given by hicks in his thesaurus linguarum Trionalium is stated by m le rue de lancy to have been produced by m montmerquet for the societe des bibliophiles francais and to be contained in the seventh volume of their privately printed melange octavo paris eighteen twenty to eighteen thirty four wace is besides commonly held to be the author of a romance about the virgin extending to eighteen hundred verses and comprising a full account of her life and death which is still in manuscript benoit wace's contemporary and rival benoit also wrote a chronicle of the norman dukes though not till some years after wace had finished his benoit's performance consists of above thirty thousand octosyllabic verses and begins at the first eruption of the normans under their leaders hastings and beer ironside but comes down no farther than the end of the reign of henry the first it was supposed to have been preserved only in one manuscript which is in the harleian collection in the british museum and from which it has been printed at paris under the care of m francis michel with the title of chronique des ducs de normandie par benoit du vert anglo normand du 
deuxième siècle three volumes quarto eighteen thirty six to forty four but another manuscript has since been found in the library of the city of tours it is from its fullness and minuteness one of the most curious monuments we possess of early norman history and contains many details nowhere else to be found this benoit also appears to be the same with the benoit de saint maur or saint mar by whom we have another long romance of nearly thirty thousand verses entitled the roman de troy being a legendary history of the trojan war founded on the favourite authorities of the middle ages the fictitious dares phrygius and dictus of crete their identity had been doubted by m michel in his edition of the norman chronicle but he was subsequently induced mr wright informs us biographia botanica literaria two to sixty two to change his opinion everard french language in scotland among these early romance poets the abbe de la rue reckons a scotsman one everard who after having been a monk of kirkham in yorkshire was in eleven fifty appointed by david i of scotland that sore saint to the crown as he was called by his successor the first james the first abbot of his newly founded abbey of ulm or holm coultrain in cumberland to him m de la rue attributes a french metrical translation of what are called the distiches of cato which is said to afford the earliest known example in the language of mixed rhymes that is of the alternation of masculine and feminine rhymes now an established rule of french poetry a romance history of the passion of christ in one hundred and twenty six trophies and in the same style with the distiches which is found along with the latin work in one of the arundel manuscripts formerly belonging to the royal society now in the british museum the abbe conceives to be also in all probability by everard but the evidence for identifying the translator of the distiches with the monk of kirkham appears it must be confessed to be extremely slight a knowledge of the french language nevertheless seems to have been as general at this date in scotland as in england pinkerton in his essay on the origin of scottish poetry prefixed to his ancient scottish poems two volumes octavo london seventeen eighty six after observing that the chief english poets wrote solely in french for three centuries after the conquest that french was the only language used at court or by the nobility nay even by the middle ranks of people that saxon was left merely to the mob that the apophthegms expressions etc preserved by historians of the time are all in old french and that probably upwards of a hundred names of english writers who wrote in french during that interval might yet be recovered proceeds to mention some facts which illustrate the prevalence of the same language in the northern kingdom upon the murder of duncan by macbeth he remarks in ten thirty nine malcolm the heir of the crown fled into england where he remained for seventeen years before he was enabled to resume his kingdom edward the confessor was king of england from ten forty one till ten sixty five and in his reign we know that french was the court language in england malcolm surely used this speech and his court also many saxons came to scotland with him in ten fifty six and also at the conquest ten sixty six but in ten ninety three they were all very prudently ordered to leave the kingdom by devanald ban his successor they were chiefly men of rank and had they introduced any language it would have been the french but yet another point requires our attention in nine forty five edmund king of england gave cumberland to malcolm the first king of scotland on condition of homage for it from this period the heir of the scottish crown was always prince of cumberland and resided as a king in that country 
now the prince it may be supposed did not use the gaelic in a country where it was never spoken but remaining there from early youth adopted french the court tongue of england in which country his principality was and to the king of which he was bound to do homage he then mentions that under william of scotland in eleven sixty five the coin of that country bears a french inscription and that alexander the third in twelve forty nine is stated to have taken the coronation oath latina et gallis in latin and in french it was read in latin probably after the ancient formula and then expounded in french and he concludes french being the language of the polite and latin of the learned who could use the vulgar tongue in writing i suspect that no scottish poet before thomas of ursuldon ventured beyond a ballad when using his native tongue perhaps one or two may have written a romance in french rhyme though now lost or unknown the poor bards who entertained the mob might recite ballads and short romances in the vulgar tongue but the minstrels who appeared in the king's or in the baron's hall would use french only as in england for had they tried the common language they would have been sent into the kitchen by the common language pinkerton means the pictish which he conceives to have been a gothic dialect nearly allied to the english in this notion he is probably wrong there is every reason to believe that the picts spoke a celtic dialect but it is true nevertheless that the popular speech of the south-eastern half of scotland at this period was as he assumes a gothic dialect though derived not from the picts but from the anglian and danish settlers who had occupied the whole of that region partially and a great part of it exclusively ever since the seventh century End of section 13